friendship has to be a, a matching just as much as dating is. Like you're both in the market for the same thing to the same degree at the same time. And I think you can waste a lot of time and energy taking it too personally. Like everyone's just trying to live their life. Hey, welcome back to Not For Everyone. We're an existential comedy, common, commitment. <laughs> commentary podcast should i do it again or should we just roll with it that's done we're an existential commentary podcast hosted by a hater and a lover i'm just a bakey what's your name ma'am i'm just a bakey and we're too sick honestly a podcast where i'm just talking to myself nobody else would find it interesting but i would find it incredibly helpful Yeah, it's like one of my favorite books I've ever read, which is My Own Diary. Have you heard of it? It's amazing. (laughs) First of all, it's so well written. It's riveting. And all of the plot points are, I think, are very important. Yeah. Mm. Some of the the most interesting things that have ever happened. Yeah, every single thing just means something for sure it all means obsessed something obsessed with myself does it go does it does it need saying that this person who hosts a podcast is obsessed with themselves <laughs> just you're not as far as i'm concerned you're not even here like i know it looks like i'm having a conversation <laughs> with you but i'm talking to myself and you're talking to yourself and i think our sounds just bounce off each other and then we're like hey uh, we, we can call that a conversation for sure for sure i um i'm actually i was reflecting before recording this episode because i feel like you and I have felt like our last couple episodes were fine. They were good, but they weren't our best ever energy-wise. Like, you know, life is busy and there's other stuff going on. But I'm really excited for this one and I have so many notes. And I think what makes me most excited is that I'm very curious what you're going to share and what your insights are going to be. And, like, that's the best way to come into it is when we're actually curious about what each other is going to say instead of just like, yeah. oh, this bitch is fucking joking again. Like, <laughs> Has that been your attitude? No. This bitch is fucking choking. I fear that that's what you thought my attitude was because I didn't give you the laughs. I wasn't I wasn't at peak just laughter last week. Wait, 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 wait. I don't understand. Wait, we can't move on because now I'm upset. Okay. You okay. thought I was judging you as just be joking, but also not giving the laughs. What does that mean? No, no, no. I thought that you thought that I wasn't laughing hard enough at your jokes and I Maybe that's because I listened back and I was like, this is funny. Why didn't I laugh harder? Like, it's me being critical of me. Oh, that's funny. I don't think that I felt that I made very good jokes. No, I, I definitely didn't <laughs> think that you weren't. I, de- I definitely didn't think that you weren't laughing hard enough. I I definitely was feeling like, why aren't I funny? Why aren't I funny? Right. I got to end it. I got to end it all. Why aren't I funny? Um, that's how I've been feeling the last couple of weeks too but you were delivering and it's such a funny thing it's just like it comes it goes sometimes and you were like oh you know you can't always have the energy like life is busy I'm like where else has my energy gone like I haven't been putting it I haven't been doing like a good job somewhere else I feel like I've been like I've been getting like (laughs) I've been getting like b minuses across the board that's how I feel but I also think I haven't had a lot of time of like complete downtime boredom which you always talk about as like where creativity comes from even in my downtime I haven't really been bored I've just been like spiraling in my head about stuff which is not conducive to creative humorous thought so yeah I haven't been accomplishing something else I'm not like busy and like getting shit done but I'm also not at like that level of like you know bottom bottom of the barrel I can 
laugh and think and you know what I mean? It's I think weird. you need a balance. I feel like it actually is a balance of like, I've heard that anxiety breeds creativity in a way. Um, but yeah. I think you, you need to have like high anxiety and a lot of problems and a lot of complaints and then a lot of reflection time. And then you're just like revving your engine and then you fucking set me on the track. Anyway. Right. Well, that's what I was telling you about before we started recording and you said you had a follow-up comment because I'm planning this evening to have an ugly day and just like, sit and do nothing and be ugly and watch TV and like binge watch and order pizza and like I'm just going to be the worst and then I'm going to emerge a beautiful hot flower and I feel like I need that I usually do that once a week but I for whatever reason I was traveling and whatever like I haven't had the time to do it mm-hmm. and I'm so excited and um I feel like that's kind of similar it's like I need the reset of like totally. okay I'm going to I'm going to do fucking nothing and then I'm going to yes. be better than anything you've ever seen in your life <laughs> yeah, when we were when we were talking about it, you were like, "I'm gonna have a a a," and you can, and I was like, "A nothing? You're gonna have a nothing?" And I'm I feel nothing. like that's like that's what it is. It's like I gotta do a nothing tonight, and I laughed so hard when you're like, "I'm gonna have an ugly night," and and that you mentioned that it was gonna be your boyfriend is also joining, and that it's gonna be the first time he's let in on one of your ugly nights. Yeah, and it just made me laugh so hard because I feel this way all the time. That like. I don't feel like I have like a static level of hotness. Like Mm -mm. some days I'm so hot and I'm like, fuck, I can't believe I'm the hottest person on earth. This is great. (laughs) Me? How did it end up being me? Like, wow, how did I never notice this all before? (laughs) And then like 85% of the days, it's like, how do you even, this is barely even a face. I can't right. believe you've been walking around thinking you had any face. And 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 the pendulum swing is wild and I don't think that's so unique in me. I feel I, I think I've I think my sister and I have definitely talked about it. But just like the range, it really fucks with your head. Maybe some oh, totally. people feel very secure in um I'm not even saying I feel insecure about my looks. It's not even that. Even that would be like a sense of certainty. It's like I can feel so bad and then so good, like truly delusionally good about yes. how I look. And I'm like, how is it both and how is it changing hour to hour? There's a great, uh, I think it was Amy Schumer had a great bit about like. I was just thinking about her yes, in this conversation. The feeling, <laughs> I can't remember, I saw it so long ago, but the feeling of like, you get like a one haircut one day and you're like, oh my God, wait. Am I secretly beautiful? Wait. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, maybe I'm beautiful. And like this whole, the whole rest of the time I've just been being ugly, but I just like didn't get like the one correct lipstick and like, wait, have I been just like closet beautiful forever? I know. I don't know. And I feel that way all the time. And like dating a guy, I'm like, okay, they can only see me this way, this way, this way, this way. These are my hot modes and have him over for one ugly night and he's going to be blown away and to, and t- to some degree, I feel like that is silly. Like, of course, they can right. kind of imagine the range of what I could look like. And in another way, I don't think it's silly at all. I think I can look like, pull my bangs back, reveal the huh. forehead. <laughs> You're, it's like Quasimodo over here. <laughs> the, that's because there's a difference between like day to day. Like, there's a difference between I'm having an uglier day me and ugly night me. Like, ugly night me is disgusting. It's, like, not only the worst that I could possibly look, but I'm, like, wearing my ugliest oversized shirt with my tits sagging to my knees and, like, 
walking around my apartment just like scratching stuff and (laughs) suddenly so itchy (laughs) suddenly everything like i haven't showered even though i did shower um i don't know it's just like it's it's next level ugly so letting somebody into that is different (laughs) than letting somebody into like oh when i wake up in the morning with no makeup and my hair's not done and stuff like there's levels to this you know do you not have like these ugly nights i feel like i'm in that all the time i feel like i live in that i feel like it's like i never leave my apartment and i rarely ever get out of pajamas and i hardly get dressed and like what i wake up looking at in the morning is like what i look like all day long unless like it's so hard it's why i'm ugly so much in my videos i'm like i can't i <laughs> no, can't be not. bothered i can't you be- haven't seen ugly i'm gonna send you a picture of my ugly night and you haven't seen ugly you haven't seen ugly please don't think you can defeat me on ugly please do you think that you're gonna be able to fully relax into the depths of ugly around Ryan? i don't know i think there's gonna be less scratching for sure i think i'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> That's that's definitely going to go, but... Um, yeah, baby steps. Baby steps, exactly. I'm definitely going to, like, take off... I'm wearing makeup right now for this podcast. Congratulations, YouTube. Um, <laughs> but I will be taking podcast? it off. <laughs> this audio podcast. We have video now. We have video. I'm just, like, I'm living in fear of comment, mean comments that I didn't put enough mascara on one day. So I put it on for you, people. Um, no one is, and, for the record, no one has ever commented that. These are just <laughs> our own ugly voices inside of us. That's not even what people comment on anything. No, there's so much worse things they'll say. But that's what I'm afraid of. So I'm wearing makeup. I'm going to take it off. I'm going <laughs> to, yeah. I'm wearing like a set, like a gray, you know, sweatshirt, sweatpants set. That has to go for ugly night. It's, it's not going to be a set. It's nothing coordinated. It's just, you get it. You get it. I do get, you get it. it. Can I tell you one of the um, funniest comments I ever got about my physical appearance on YouTube? Okay. This this genuinely made me laugh so hard. Listen, if you control me and make me laugh, I love it. It was on this video I did that was like, ho- it was all about home organization. It was like my viral video and uh, home organization and decluttering. And some girl, some girl left a, a comment and it was like, bitch, gotta declutter dem eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> that's genius so, joke writing so funny. it was so funny and it made me so self-conscious about my eyebrows that i had intentionally eyebrows but so i go in and out of phases of plucking them because it's just it's it's like it's like a part-time job it's so much labor to keep these eyebrows sometimes i was like oh nobody else could be noticing except for me it was like probably week one that i'd stopped plucking them and then i right. got that comment and it was so funny it was so funny yeah i loved it i i feel like i'm so obsessed with eyebrows and women in general are so obsessed with eyebrows but men yeah. don't notice them at all like my my boyfriend is notoriously like i never paid attention to eyebrows until moi and it's not in a way of like you have the best eyebrows although he will have to admit to that or else i'll choke him out but uh, (laughs) but it's just more in a way of like it's not even something that registered until you talked about your own eyebrows so much that i was like okay i guess they're i guess that's a thing and i guess hers are great I didn't know what eyebrows were until I met you, Jess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. No, guy I'm dating did compliment my eyebrows, and um, he understands. He said they were expressive, and I was like, "Yeah, 
I was like, look at him. <laughs> looking at me, a fuck? Yeah, pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> what am I expressing now? <laughs> Ooh, you like my fat fucking eyebrows? <laughs> <laughs> We're doing we're doing a big old friendship episode today. I probably should have said that earlier. It's going to be in the title. You read the title. Um and this is a important topic to all humans and it especially has become this thing. Um we know what century we live in. We know what technology has done to us. We know what COVID did to us. Like I think a lot of people listening to this podcast um a lot of people between like later, mid, late 20s, 30s, obviously their age is beyond that as well. And the conversation applies beyond that as well. But there is something particularly happening to me and to my friends that I hear about all the time and talk about all the time and have experienced so much for years of the struggle of making adult friendships, um, moving to a new city and having to make friends. Uh, it just, it's, it's a whole art and a, like it's a health habit it's a habit that you have to work so on right. the way that you have to work on like eating well and exercising and like those things it doesn't always immediately feel rewarding you don't get immediate reward a lot of the time it just feels like work and um but it's really good for your health it's such the long game totally yeah um i feel like i have a lot of experience being very lonely, being very isolated, um, being in a new setting, and I have struggled through and figured out like what has helped me. It's something I'm still actively working on. I've only lived in DC for two years, and I think it's something we're always working on. But I don't think I think it's funny that even though it's so vitally important to like everyone's health, um, your 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 social landscape but we don't necessarily talk about it in the same strategic way that we talk about working on your physical health, working on your romantic relationship, working on your family dynamics, working on your exercise relationship. Like we talk about the strategies that go into all of those, especially with the romantic one. Um, but like, I think just there's as much like thought and care that can go into friendships world, but we're all just kind of flying by the seat of our pants. And I've really learned to be a lot more like methodical and intentional about it. And that's one of the biggest things that has helped me. I love that. I love the framing of it as work the same way that you would work on any relationship. I feel like we take friendships for granted. It's like, oh, I'm a human that went to school and met classmates and became friends with them. And so like, that's it. That's all I have to do. Now I just assume that I have those friends into perpetuity. And that's just as you get older not how it works, but I feel like you're set up from a young age to kind of like treat friendships that way. Like this is just, this is baseline. This is set. I got it. Um, and, and the other, I now just need to add a romantic relationship or I need to figure out how to grow up and ch my relationship with my parents changes. But you think that friendships are just going to stay. And I feel like for me, the reason that this topic is so meaningful and important and like I have a lot to say about it is because... I do pride myself on maintaining long-term friendships like very, very well. I have so many close, deep friendships that have been years long. And then I also have newer close, deep friendships that I've added without feeling like I have to sacrifice anything, you know, like make new friends and keep the old is, is really something that I've honed, a skill that I've honed. 
Um, moving to a new place forced me to make new friends, but I also, yeah, hold on to long-standing relationships and there's like strategies and like ways that I have to think about that and process that and approach that um, that make it possible, I guess. So that's the preamble. I love how you mentioned how different it feels when you're like in school. Not that you can't also be isolated and struggling with friendships in school. I'm not saying it was all easy for me at all. I've been isolated like most of my fucking life. I'm a difficult personality, I've heard. But um, but you have a shared environment. And that's the thing that changes very quickly when you get into adulthood. Um, and for a long time, like the value of having a shared environment, I think you don't even, I didn't even realize that that was basically the foundation of every relationship until you become an adult. And then, you know, maybe you're going into the office together, um, but a lot of us now are not. Um, Or even if you are going into the office and that's your shared environment, people, maybe they have, that's not where they're looking for their friendships. They have their friendships somewhere outside of that or they already had them in that city and so they're not looking for the friendship at work. And like all of a sudden, you find yourself in a position where you're trying to make, for whatever reason, you're trying to make friendships without sharing an environment with someone. And it's just so much more work. It's so much harder. It's so much more slow going. You don't feel like you have much to grab onto. It's the same as like, I think I think it's very similar. To, it feels like, like going on dates from a dating app. It's like there's no shared environment here. It just feels so much harder. It's amazing like what you can come up with to bond with someone about when you have like a common enemy in your science teacher or you have like that person you guys know and you can both comment on that thing. Um, so I think that's probably one of the biggest um, changes that happens and that you're like trying to come up with creative ways to compensate for that loss. Um, and mostly what I've observed in myself and in like basically everybody I know has struggled with this is just like, how exhausting it is to make friends when you're in a new city, new environment, new um, time, time in life, whatever. And there's this feeling that like it doesn't feel that fun and that like no matter – like we all get like lonely sometimes and wish we had more friends. But like going out with new people that you maybe had a coffee with or you maybe met here and you don't have that much to say like – I hear a lot this dynamic of like, ugh, honestly, I am lonely and I'm totally pissed that I don't have a good social world. But that, fr- spending a Friday night at that party where I don't really know these people and I don't know if I care, like, doesn't actually sound better. I'd rather stay at home. I relate so hard and I just wanted to share a few like mindset changes that friends shared with me that really made a big difference for me. The first I already kind of referenced, which was my friend Tessa shared this with me when I'd moved to DC. I'm sure I was fucking complaining her ear off about making friendships and so draining. And sometimes this is like, you know, two years ago I first moved here. And she told me like, she was like, yeah, totally. It's like not rewarding for a while, but you got to treat it like it's your job. Um, Not that we all need 10 best friends. Like a social world can look different for everybody. But whatever your rewarding social world is, it does take a heavy lift up top. And up top you actually like probably don't feel a lot of returns for a little while. It's like going to the party on Friday night when you really don't feel like going to the party and it's like, maybe not going to make that fun, but like it gets you a little bit farther than not going to the party. And I'm not saying that you leave the party being like, that was a great night. I'm so glad you went. You probably kind of still leave tired. 
um, and you do the coffee date and you like put in the effort and even though you're exhausted, you like do the check-in and you have at least like the intentional hangout um, and and kind of like starting a new diet or like starting a new exercise regimen, you're not doing it in the beginning because it gives you immediate results and you're not doing it because it like feels convenient and you're not doing it because it immediately energizes you. You're doing it because there are long-term benefits that require a heavy lift up top as opposed to being like, okay, I'm going to go out and do something social when I feel like it. Because you, you might not feel like it ever if you don't first build those meaningful connections. Like it's it's a catch-22. I don't want to go out if I don't have the meaningful connections, but I don't get the meaningful connection if I don't first start going out. So mm-hmm. I think that's something that you, that's like a, a pretty difficult period that you have to move through mechanically by being and just acknowledging like, no, it's not rewarding right now, but it, it does build and it does take time. Um, and being willing, I think if you can get on board with that and be like, I'm going to this party and it's actually not really socializing, it's my job right now and I'm going to go. Um, it like helped me. That was a big, that was a big shift for me. I like that a lot. I do think, yeah, it can feel like a chore, but shifting your mindset to accept that it's a chore and just be like, yeah, it's a chore and I have to do it the same way that I don't feel like putting away my laundry. Um, it's a thing that I got to do to live the life that I want to live. And so I'm going to do it. So like, just accept that it might not be that fun. I feel like part of it is grieving the social life that you're losing. Like if you've moved to a new place or if you've graduated college and are moving out and you know, like you're coming out of a period of time when your social life may have looked a certain way. And now you're in a new place where you know less people and it doesn't look the same. You have to start from ground zero So there has to be a little bit of like grief, like accepting that, saying that out loud and being like, yeah, that happened. It fucking sucks. And now I have to work on this and it's going to be like an active process. It's going to take a while. Like that's the mindset you have to have sometimes. And it is a lot about, you know, grieving what it used to look like and then accepting, okay, I'm going to do my chores. I'm going to once a week go to like an event that I was invited to that maybe I'd rather not go to, but I'm going to go anyway, or I'm going to find an event to go to and go alone, see if my coworker who I've like talked to twice would go with me, like whatever it looks like. Um, So I really, really agree with that. And then I also just wanted to return to another comment you made about shared environments and how like we – are used to or like the easiest way that we kind of grow up trying to make friends it's still not easy like you said but trying to make friends and like we're set up for better success is like in school or after school clubs or whatever it looks like um and we lose that in adulthood like you just Mm. don't have the shared environments the way that you used to so creating shared environments is really really key I've signed up for a lot of like um I did a karaoke league. I know that you've done like sports leagues. Um, Whether you go to that alone and meet people and it gives you a shared environment, like a team that you're on, a place that you go to every single week, or you sign up with a friend who you want to get closer with. And that's like a, that becomes a shared environment. Then you can talk about the other people there and you have a routine with it. Or you sign up for like a pottery class or 
just start going. It's not a shared environment isn't like a restaurant or a bar or a coffee shop. Do those things. Go out with your friends. Go out to eat. Go out and and have conversations across the table from somebody. But actually a, a kind of cheat code and a quicker way to establish like a comfortability in a friendship is creating those shared environments in places where maybe you didn't naturally have them occurring before completely love it um it feels obvious i feel like to me it's obvious but i know a lot of people who don't do it like just sign up for things um i started doing it as soon as i moved to dc or i mean forever ago i moved to ohio oh my god for the love of god i could not make a fucking friend um and you know i started volunteering um that's a big one and um, and, you know, I think people always say do something that you enjoy doing anyway, because the truth, I mean, now I moved to D.C., I joined a kickball league. I met one of my dearest friends, Ashley, there. Um, I then currently I have a really lovely social circle in D.C. now. But recently, I again found myself just like missing a shared in- group environment. So I signed up. I'm on a softball team. I'm on a volleyball team. I'm in an Italian class. Um, all things that I love and two things that I wanted to call out is first of all that um, I think also accepting and just knowing going into it that okay you signed up for the class you signed up for the group good for you and no it does not mean that you're going to find a connection it doesn't so know that that's part of the deal that it's it is a lot of accepting that we're like throwing stuff up on the wall and we're going to see what sticks and a lot of it won't stick because genuine connection is still rare it, it is for me um but that's why it's nice to sign up for something that you would enjoy doing anyway like honestly on my my softball team currently I don't know. It's still kind of new, but I don't know if any of us will be like hang out outside of the softball team, but I'm having a fucking blast. And there is such joy in just being in the game together. I'm loving everybody at the game together, having that environment. First of all, I'm the worst one on the team. Everybody else played softball like competitively. I did not know that was a requirement. I don't uh-huh. really know. I, I have, I bought a child's glove. It is pink. Anyway, <laughs> but um, it, it, I'm doing my best and it's so much fun. Um, And it offers um a different level of connection. And there's like, there's, I think being open to the various levels of social connection is also really important. I used to be an incredibly closed off person um this runs in my family and I used to evaluate people like most of my life in the terms of like if you are not basically like 95% to 100% a perfect match for me I don't give you the time of day and I learned how lonely that made me and it cut me off to a lot of people I probably didn't even get the chance to actually like know and I started making like a concerted effort to you know you continue you're kind of courting people platonically um, to be a lot more open and um, not just so that you can like possibly discover this deeper connection and maybe it does end up to be a best friend, um, but also that there are values to like the various gradations of friendship. There is a value to the friend that you're on the phone with every day, to the friend you see once a week, to the fr- first of all, I'm not on the phone with anyone every day. So if you're listening to this and you're my friend and you're like, it's not me, it's nobody. I don't do that with it's anyone. It's me. But it's me. It's just, it's just <laughs> um, to the friend you see once a month, to the friend you see once every six months, 
to the friends that you never hang out with outside of the volleyball team, but like you, you're there and you share that experience together. These are like different levels of friendship. And to me, I've learned like you probably have a certain proportion and percentage that you need for each of them, but don't cross things. It's helped me not to cross things off the list just because it's not everything a a friendship could ever be like uh I want to talk a little bit more in depth about that later about like how to prioritize and invest those but it's something I think about very explicitly and that was another big mindset change um yeah of like there's different levels of friendship and also like throwing a lot of stuff up at the wall and knowing that you don't get returns on everything but that's kind of part of the deal it's like well I went on one date and I'm not married it's like yeah Agree. 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 That's how it works. <laughs> Facts. I think that's that's really astute. And it's something that I've seen like really trip people up. I know that my sister has a lot of like a hard time with um, not being like fully aligned with her friends. Feeling like I have these certain values and this way that I operate in the world and this way that I view things and this is my sense of humor and like She'll start to meet people and make friends, but then, like, the more they get to know each other, there's maybe, like, a, a a line, a threshold of, like, how far they can go, and then it's kind of like, oh, we're actually not the same, so never mind. And I feel like if once you get to that threshold with somebody, it doesn't mean throw them out. It just means, okay, now you know what this is, and you know the space that you can operate in and how much you would want to see them. Like, some people are going to be small doses people from you for you. Some people are going to be people that you're only friends with for the year that you lived in that place. And then once you move somewhere else, you're not really going to keep in touch with them. Some people are going to be your best friends for life. Some people are going to be your best friend for two years and then you kind of fall out of touch and then you reconnect and then you kind of fade out again. Like being okay with the different levels like you talked about and the different like depths that you can reach with different people. Um, Being okay with the fact that they're not going to be exactly like you. And it's okay if you want to hold out for your best friend to be, I don't know, nobody's exactly like you, but to be like 80% similar to you or something. But for your, like to have a social life and have fulfilling friendships, you don't need that. Right. Um, and then it's also okay to know, to realize at some point like, okay, this is going to be a friend, but not a best friend. And you're not, I don't know, like as long as you're not, as long as the other person doesn't think something different about the relationship, which they probably don't because they probably feel the connection difference. Actually, oh, I've 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 encountered that so many times. I've encountered it so many times and been on both sides of it of thinking that there's a deeper closeness than there is. Yeah, somebody somebody wants to see the other person more. Somebody cares about the friendship more. It's incredibly uncomfortable. It's yeah. going to happen to everyone. You're going to end up on both sides of it all the time. It's once again not any more personal than the fact that not everyone wants to marry you. It doesn't mean you're bad. It doesn't yeah. mean you're good. It just means that like you're not everyone's priority. And um, and it's really uncomfortable in friendships because we don't have an official exclusivity conversation. We don't have an official breakup conversation. And um, that's something that I've, you know, I think everyone kind of has to wade through. But it's, and it, and it can feel really bad on either end of it. But it's really just like part of, it's just part of what happens. And the actually one thing, one major thing I wanted to say about that, also kind of a mindset thing. Um, I remember Sheila, our friend Sheila, who's, I'll say, one of my best friends, as uh, Sheila, who we grew up with. The best. And 
she was just full. She was just like a tiny, tiny, wise old man in this little <laughs> eight, in a little eight-year-old's body from the day she was born. Sheila just had this wisdom about her. And I remember saying to me, we must have been fucking 12 years old. I remember I was, you know, butthurt. I can't remember the specifics, but about some friend who like didn't have the time for me or didn't follow through on something or didn't want to see me for this or chose something over whatever the fuck it was. And Sheila was just like, you know, and I was so mad at them and that was so mean of them and whatever. And fucking 12 year old Sheila looked me dead in the eyes and was just like, you know, everybody's just trying to live their lives. What the fuck? Usually trying to hurt you. And I was like, first of all, I'm going to end you. Where did you even come up with this shit? You're like, you don't, you don't even have your adult teeth yet. And she just, and I think about it all the time. It actually probably changed my life. And I find myself having to say it to people too. Yeah. Um, because it can, it can be so crushing when you like a person as a friend and you want to be good friends with them. You know how many hundreds of times this has happened to me that I've been like, oh, I could be best friends with you, I think. And they're just not in the market for that with me. Or like, I don't represent that to them. And you feel mad about it. Or you, or or maybe they do really like you, but like their schedule, they do not have you as a priority yeah. or whatever. And I think there's a lot of way It's going to happen. Sometimes you're going to be that person who is not prioritizing the other sometimes you're going to be the one who wants to be prioritized more um and yeah there's ways to be a shitty person but a lot of the time it's just like friendship has to be a, a matching just as much as dating is like you're both in the market for the same thing to the same degree at the same time yeah and i think you can lose waste a lot of time and energy Taking it too personally, like everyone's just trying to live their life and most people aren't trying to hurt you. And if somebody does not have space for you in their life to the degree you're hoping for, it's totally disappointing. It totally hurts. And it's really okay to move on and be like, okay, that's going to be like a once a month friend. And you don't have to write them off. It doesn't have to be devastating. It doesn't mean they've done anything wrong. It doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. So I don't know. That's one thing that I think I really struggled with when I was younger. Really good call out. I'm glad that we like stumbled upon that topic. Um, I feel like you comparing it to dating is interesting because, yeah, there's no exclusivity agreement. There's no like you're mine and I'm yours the way that there is in a romantic relationship monogamously. Um, but that's kind of the beauty of it because like if you can accept – that they're not in the market for the same thing that you are and kind of like pull back your expectations accordingly if you're the friend that maybe wanted something more and they're not really matching you, um, they can still be a friend in your life. Like that's the great thing as opposed to in relationships. It's like, oh, they don't want the same thing as me. We got to break up. I'm never talking to them again. Mm -hmm. With this, it's like you can still have this person in your life. You can assuming that they want to be in your life just like maybe not to the same degree that you initially thought. Um, and you can keep them around and you can still have a great time with them. And like, you know, also maybe it grows later. Maybe it, I've had, it I would say like one of my best friends, Tessa, I'm just calling hoes out on this <laughs> podcast. All the people, so too many people I love to name, but like with Tessa, our friendship built again, like one of my best friends now. And that built slowly over like a decade. We didn't start out as best friends, but I'm like, this person is like 99% me. I don't even know how it built so slowly, but it did. Yeah. Could we talk a little more about that 
piece of it now and like maintaining friendships over the long term. I feel like we've talked about making new friends and in adulthood how challenging that is. And I'm sure that that will keep coming up. But I do think something that's uniquely difficult in adulthood as well is, you know, let's say you're in your I'm 31. I'll just talk about myself. And I have collected some really good friends in my life and and I try to maintain those friendships but I don't live in the same place as all of them I do live in the same place as some of them but our schedules are so busy that like my best friend Kai I I have to like get on her schedule three weeks out and that's we call each other wife she's like my other half person and it's still hard to schedule time with her and I'm not butthurt about it because I'm like that's fine I'm I'm equally hard to pin down sometimes Um, But it is an adjustment to make and it is like it is really weird to navigate. Okay, I want this person in my life for as long as I possibly can have them. I want to grow old with this friend and we've already have have 10, 12 years under our belt. So like we're we're getting there. Um, But how do we make that possible? And I feel like a really big part of it kind of goes to what we were just talking about, which is being okay with the ebbs and flows of the friendship. Something I one of the topics that I wrote down that I wanted to ask you about is kind of like friendship pet peeves and if there are any like red flags in dating but pet peeves in in friendships or like ways that you'll know like this friendship isn't going to be for me or something because something that really is that for me is someone who cannot accept and understand and allow space for the fact that like we're not going to be we don't have to be the same level all the time. Yeah. We don't have to be for 10 years. You can still be one of my best friends for 10 years. And that doesn't mean we're going to be texting every day for those 10 years. It's just life changes. We might hit different life stages at different points in time. We might have different priorities and schedules. We might live in different places, whatever the factors are. That means that we're not going to be like, sending each other memes the way that we were on Facebook Messenger in college. And it also means that I can still be one of your best friends and vice versa. If you can accept that, then your friendships have a much better chance at lasting for the long haul. If you can't accept that, you're going to have a much harder time. And I'm personally not going to stay friends with you. (laughs) Yes. Wow. Totally. Yes. I think it's definitely a part of like maturing into your friendships and I think I learned it um I guess I learned it by just watching what happened like yeah uh, there's one friend in particular I feel like I I experienced I don't know it's like with friends who become maybe they're not best best which like is that a ridiculous term to use best friend I'm an adult but whatever the like most intimate close friends and then it's like the level right below that where it's like you fucking love this person but um, that it's like right below. It's not a middle friend. It's like right below the very top. Yeah. And I feel like those friendships, then you end up in different states. And sometimes we go through a week where we're texting all the time. And then sometimes we wouldn't talk for like two months and I would freak out about it. And do they hate me? It's just like everyone's just trying to live their life. And then, you know, when they're they're presumably busy. And maybe you're busy, too. Maybe I don't even have time to talk to them. And then, you know, two months later, we, like, resume friendship in, like, this energized, like, Mm -hmm. spurt of friendship again. And when we're showing up there, it's with energy. It's with intention. We're being present. It's not a chore. Um, So we talked a lot about, like, treating friendships as a chore. 
And I do stand by that. And that is kind of what I think it is up top. When you're like trying to give things time to grow, seeing what the potential is, trying to build that initial connection. But like somebody you have a connection with, life will still quote unquote get in the way. It's not getting in the way. It's just life. This is how life works. And it's completely normal. Um, I think almost all of my friendships have ebbed and flowed. Um, And even with people who are like currently my best friends, closest friends, sometimes we're chatting a ton and sometimes it's a silent month. There's something I started doing just this year on that relates to this topic of like making time for people like you know Kai or whoever's like that closest friend and sorry people get busy and it's just going to keep getting busier that's kind of um that's kind of how it works Mm -hmm. and something I was struck I don't know why I was inspired to do this but just this year like I think literally at New Year's I was setting maybe I was setting New Year's resolutions and I was setting work goals. And then it transformed from work goals into like, wait, what are my fucking life goals? What are my life goals? And that includes social goals. And this maybe sounds psychotic when I describe it, but I completely stand by it. I think we should all be doing it. Um, the way that you set like work plan goals for your year or like growth goals within your job, I very explicitly set like what are my social goals, um, my friendship goals. And you don't get to control those outcomes, obviously, but what are the things I'm prioritizing investing in? And I literally made a list. This is going to sound psychotic, but I think we all have a list, whether we've written it out or not. I made a list and there are tiers. There are tiers of people that, and that are my priority to invest in because we do not all have endless time and endless energy. And I promise you, you have a set of tiers as well. But what was helpful about writing it out explicitly, the same way as helpful with your priorities with your job. It's like you you could do infinite things and you probably have opportunity to invest and grow in infinite ways, but you don't have infinite time or energy. So making sure I like spelled out for me, like these are the people These four people are the people I want to make sure I'm finding time for. Even if if it's a really busy week and I can barely have time for anyone, I'm going to find time in some way for these four people. These people are a priority. And then the next tier is like, I still want to have time for these people. Maybe it's less frequent, but they're important. And um, it's it's a lot of people on the list. Mm -hmm. And, and And the priorities can change. Like you're really investing in one person. Maybe you find they're not investing in you or they're just not in the market for it at the time. Totally cool. Like we adjust the ranking or, you know, or the friendship goes sour or whatever the fuck it is. Um, But I have gotten really explicit. It's something I wanted to touch on this because it's something my, my sweet editor Paige actually brought up with me, this topic of investing intentionally because... I feel like it's one of the most important lessons I've learned as an adult is like actually where you are comfortable cutting corners and where you're going to give it a hundred percent. Yeah. Because I, I, there's, I fucking hate this phrase. There's this phrase that keeps being thrown around recently. Um, I keep hearing it places. It's like a hustle culture, like productivity thing, which is like the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And I'm like, first (laughs) of all, 
going to give me a panic attack. Second of all, it's like so perfectionistic and unhealthy. One of the most important things, you have finite time and finite energy. You have to prioritize. I don't, I don't get to like see everyone three times a week. It'll kill me. Whatever. So I don't know. I would really encourage you in whatever way to get intentional, like set your goals about who are you prioritizing um, to make sure you're not slacking off if that's where you want to invest. I think that's right. I think like getting realistic about that and being honest with yourself about it and having your actions match your intentions and values and feelings is like so much of life, but so much of maintaining healthy, good relationships. It's just like you could there are so many people who operate in a way where they like know that that person isn't their top person or in their top tier of people but they're still bending over backwards and giving so much time and burning themselves out spending energy and thought and time on that person just because they don't know how to get out of it and they feel like obligated or something you know I've been that person I've felt that way before totally and I feel like as you get older you have to realize that the time is only less the energy is only less the scheduling ability is only less so you have to become honest with yourself like hey that person that like every time they asked me to get together I'd kind of like moan and look at my schedule and just can't don't feel like I want to make it happen but I end up forcing it and then we go and then it's like so so but I kind of feel drained afterwards like that's not a person that needs to be even on the list let alone in the top tiers and be clear about like this tier equals I do these things for them this tier equals I do these things does that mean there's never an exception no does that mean there's never somebody changing tiers no But like you do have to kind of prioritize in that way, whether it's make I've never written down a list like that, but it lives in my head. Like I I have an understanding of who my priority people are and who I'll make time for even when I don't have time versus people that can wait. I would say for me, the way it works is it's not me being like someone reaches out to get lunch and I'm like, let me see where you are on the list. It's not like that. It's like if I'm free and I want to see you, I see you. But it's it's really it's in the weeks where I'm like, I'm fucking drowning this month. I have been neglecting the people I love. Like, let's recenter on like what are like where did I want to be putting time and attention? It's really when you're pressed and kind of at your wits end. And also I just want to say like it really sucks. To It feels fucking terrible to not have time for someone or not feel that someone um, is the priority when you know that they are thinking of you as a priority. But that is just kind of how friendships work. Like you have to be, it it feels terrible. And I actually went through a phase for a while where I had moved to DC after being in Ohio where I'd been so lonely, couldn't make a friend to save my fucking life. Nobody needed one. Everybody was married with three kids and had a family. And even if they were really nice to me, they were they were really great people. But like they just weren't in the fucking market for a new friend. Everyone had all the friends they'd had since kindergarten. Like nobody needed a new friend. It wasn't it wasn't their fault. They didn't do anything wrong. But my God, I would have murdered for a friend. And um, then moved to DC. And then my YouTube channel like like surged and one of the interesting side effects of that was that there were all these people in my life who maybe they were like tangentially around me who suddenly got a peek I think this is what happened I think they got a peek at my personality through YouTube 
and then decided that they liked me. Mm-hmm. And maybe they hadn't had, like, an opportunity to get my to know. Like, it, it was a way a bunch of people suddenly felt like they knew me all at once, all very suddenly. And this sounds obnoxious to say, but there was, like, this huge influx of people suddenly wanting my time. And at first it was really great. Great. I just moved here. I'm trying to make friends. Amazing. Um, and then it became, like, I don't have time. I think I had a list of, like, 20 people that I had this, like, acquaintance level friendship with who were like asking time for me that I didn't feel any connection with at all but in my but I kept doing it because I kept giving them time because I was like but I was that person in Ohio that I would have killed for a friend how dare I not be able to deliver that to somebody now and it it drove me so into the ground I re-entered therapy over it it is what I went back into therapy over because I was like I don't know what to do I'm I I obviously can't disappoint these people but I truly I don't have hours in the day um I hope this doesn't sound like the most obnoxious thing to complain about but it was just like it, it it just was completely beyond impossible and it felt so terrible because I like wanted to like pay it forward to this thing but yeah it, it, it ended up where it wasn't even an option it wasn't even an option I get it completely um I, I felt a similar thing of like when I have all the time in the world, sure, I'll I'll be open and vulnerable and have heart to hearts every single day with anybody. But when push comes to shove and my schedule gets tighter, like my energy for people inevitably will dwindle down and the people who got that feeling from me during that time won't be able to get it anymore. And something that you've said that's really helped me with that is like you're actually doing them a favor by not investing there anymore whether you need to like address that head on or kind of like do a fade away is is more complicated and is kind of up to personal preference and what the relationship looks like but if if people if they can catch the hint and start to notice that you're not investing as much as you once were it's actually in a weird way better it will hurt in the short term but that it will free them up because it's like leading them on yeah it'll free them up for better deeper connections that are actually what they're looking for and that you can't offer them which is it's not something that I like told myself to make myself sleep better at night it's what I literally saw happen when I like tried to I also hope this whole conversation doesn't sound so tone deaf like oh this is something that only applies to people that have a public profile I don't think it does at all I think that we all go through times in our life where like people want some part of our time and we don't have the capacity and that was the thing was that like with any of these people it was not that I didn't like them. It was not that we didn't get along. It was just like, it, it can't be a list of 20 to 30 people that I'm keeping up texting with every week. I don't want to text my own best friends. Please, I can't. And it, I like eventually saw, I don't know, it was like the guys who I've dated and who've wasted my time and, you know, led me on and not been quite direct enough to let me get that, they're never going to be able to give me the thing I need. Like once they cut you loose or you cut yourself loose, like that's when you can start living your life. That's when you can go look somewhere else and find the opportunity. So it does feel incredibly unpleasant, kind of sucks. But um, there's there's actually not really much opinion to have over it. Like when you end up in that position, it just is what it is. We've I think we've all been on, yeah, both sides of it. And yeah. What did Sheila say? We're all just trying to live our lives and nobody's trying actively to hurt you or most people aren't. Everybody's just trying to live their life. 
Yeah. This is a bit in a separate direction, but I, at some point in the conversation, I thought of this and I think it's important. So I wanted to just make a mention of it. Um, kind of going back to the conversation about maintaining long-term friendships and how to do that and how to make that possible. Something that I've really learned in, I'll use my friendship with Kai as an example, something that we have gotten really practiced about in the last couple of years is when we want, when we need support from each other, we'll we'll reach out and say hey and I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before now that I'm saying it out loud we'll reach out and say hey do you have the capacity for for this right now like hey I'm dealing with something can I vent to you or hey can we meet up this weekend and just like talk it out in person like always asking do you have the capacity for this a flag of like this is also you're like putting up a hand that you're like ooh, big like important moment friend moment yes here important moment so that it's one like hey, I really need you, but it's also too, like, I don't want to take from you if your well is already dry. Consent. We're asking consent. Yeah. yeah. And it is really, really powerful and really, really meaningful to have that type Aww. of friendship. And it's something that I'm trying to apply to other relationships too. Like even this week, um, you and I were voice memoing about something or we were texting about something and... I was so like impassioned about something that you texted about that I left this like four minute voice memo that was like my thoughts on the thing and advice and whatever. And then I was like, Caroline didn't ask me for advice. What the fuck? Like maybe she's not in the space to like listen to this right now. And so I sent you a text following up that voice memo and I was like, this is the above is advice that you didn't ask for and listen to it if you you want that. that Yeah, listen to it if you want that. But if you don't like no worries. Oh, I God, feel like so doing cute. those types of things in your friendships that matter to you and that you want to last for a long time and you want to be deep and you want to be supportive and you want to be equal um, is like such a game changer. So in small ways and in big ways, like take the second to pause and be like, what does my friend need right now? Am I able to give them what they need? Did I just overstep? Am I asking for a lot? And it's not to stop doing any of that. It's not to like not ask your friend for support and it's not to not give your friend advice, but just like positioning it in a way where it's like, hey, I care about you. And so that's why I'm doing this. If you're not in a space for it right now, we can do it later. Nice. I loved it when you did that. Oh, it was small, but I realized because we were talking about the friendship episode like we were leading up to this episode I was like oh this is kind of a good example it's something and maybe it won't work for everyone but I really value it because yeah you know with with texting and social media and everything we're in constant communication and if somebody texts me in the middle of the day with a crisis and I'm really busy at work like I want to help you with your crisis but it's the middle of the day girly like I I I, I don't know what to do for you so just giving a little bit of flexibility and leeway can go a long way yeah yeah very much so I love that do you actually have friendship icks that you want to like list out or talk about um because I know we mentioned it earlier yeah I have one but it's pretty serious it's not like silly I I don't have silly ones they are pretty serious (laughs) yeah I don't even want to call it an ick because it's it's serious um and it's one I don't know if it's an ick because I used to be a really big offender of it. Well, it's probably for, it's an ick for a couple reasons. But um, 
I used to be a really jealous, possessive friend. Um, I don't know why. It was part of, this is like who I was growing up. It was part of my all or nothing mentality. I want a perfect best friend and I don't want any other friends. And I really didn't like my friend to have other friends. Like so unhealthy, so sick. Um, Because I didn't want to make other friends. Like I just wanted this one person. And it was this very scared, very possessive mindset. And obviously leads to a lot of unhappiness for a lot of people. And um, at some point, you know, I, I was very upset if somebody even if we were good friends, but I wanted them to be a best friend and they weren't a best friend. Like I was upset all the time. And, um, eventually I grew out of that. Eventually I became a total fucking loner, probably because I was intolerable. And then when I like re-entered the social civilized society, I was able to have like a whole spectrum of balanced friendships. In that time, I no longer struggle with that. In that time, I also got into a romantic relationship that was extremely possessive Mm -hmm. like abusively jealous possessive um and that did quite a fucking number on me and now one of like it's a fucking I can't tolerate it (laughs) even though I have compassion for it I cannot tolerate jealous friends um the friends who are like I can't even tolerate the jokes like when someone oh, makes same. a joke about it, I don't have a good sense of humor about it. I'm like, I find that really unhealthy. Because it's not a joke. It's not a joke. <laughs> and I would prefer we don't do that. It, I can't even think of a good example now, but like the girlfriends all hanging out and like, oh, what? You went to that party without us? I can't believe you were hanging out without us. Or like two people in the group hung out and the third wasn't. And it's like a little joke about how like, you guys hung out without me? Or like, I cannot... It is so unhealthy, like loving someone, whether it's a partner or a family member or a friend, loving them means like truly means like wishing them a whole and balanced life. And that is not just a reflection of you. And um, I, I, uh, I think it's like, it's like a trigger for me now. Um, It's like truly a trigger in in a genuine, like I mean that word when I use it. Um. And it's something that obviously is extremely immature. Um, Obviously, I'm not, uh, I have, I understand where it comes from because I felt it first person when I was pretty young. And um, I have no space for it in adult relationships. Uh, I, I have space for the feelings. I hold space for feeling that way. Do not fucking take it out on somebody. Do yeah. not joke about it. That's a big one for me. I really don't appreciate it. It is the opposite of lifting people up. I don't think it's funny. I don't think it's cute. And I don't think it's affectionate. Yeah. I could not agree more. I hate those kinds of jokes. They send a shiver down my spine. I'm like disgusted. It because starts I, a culture. It People yes. start responding to it then. It's yeah. not good. You know, I feel like most jokes are based in the truth and – that's that's where that's coming from that's how you really feel and if you really feel that way then either talk to somebody about it talk to a therapist about it talk to your friend even about it like be like I hate that I feel this way but this is how I feel you can have a conversation like that but come having it come out in like these nasty passive aggressive passive aggressive that's the right word ways yeah I'm I'm not saying like I'm not saying don't share the feeling with me like yeah first of all there's really not a wrong feeling like yeah 
Yeah. You think I don't have immature, inappropriate feelings towards or about my friends or relationships all the time? Like, the things I'm talking about here, the things I'm talking about here, like on this podcast about friendship, are the things I feel like I've definitely learned and like improved on. There's so much stuff I'm fucking up. I'm fucking over pretty much every friend listening to this podcast right now. I'm fucking shit up. Right now, I'm talking about the things that I feel a little more confident about. Yeah. There's stuff I'm fucking up. But um, yeah, this is just one like yeah. If you if it's something that you feel, there's really nothing wrong with saying the truth. But don't do it in this passive aggressive way where you're trying to control someone a little bit. Um, it's not going to make anybody happy. It's just going to push them away. It's going to push me away. I'll tell you that. I had written this down in in like a different way, not so much about the possessive friend, although I totally agree, but um, more from the framing of when your friends are hanging out without you and like getting FOMO and being like, I'm the reason they know each other in the first place. You know, like these are natural human feelings that sometimes come up. Sure. And I feel like um, what you just said about how that's really not loving someone and that's really not lifting someone up is exactly the point that needs to be understood by anyone who's experiencing these types of feelings. Like if this is your friend that you truly care about, then you should want them to have a full life and that does not revolve around you and your friendship only yeah i don't know it's just really really unhealthy i couldn't agree more i i will i will say i have to call i have to make one exception so that we're good is that the one person that i do probably joke about friend jealousy with is my friend tessa and the joke there it's because i have told her that it was something i struggled with with her for so long i didn't like and and so we've made fun of the fact that what a sweet, sad, pathetic little baby I was. And so I will say we joke about it there. So Tessa, if you're thinking if you're thinking about us, that joke is fine because we are making fun of me, and the, which is the core of the truth there. And I, I mean, I tease friends. I have, now that you said that, I'm like, I have two distinct friendships that come to mind where we have this running joke where we tease well, and we're yeah. like, oh, you're hanging out with your other friends or whatever. But like, you know when it's teasing and you know when there's truth behind it. Yeah. That's that's all it is. If it if it helps, like I do, I feel this about pretty much everything. Like, first of all, I feel insecure about things all the time, duh. Uh, especially with people in relationships and my own self worth. And I will even have a little tinge of insecurity when new friends I've introduced to each other are like loving each other. I've had those moments even recently, um, but all, it doesn't linger. And something that helps if you ever feel that is just like if someone like loves you. It's not a zero-sum game. Them getting to meet someone else they also love, if there's a real connection with you, it just doesn't nullify that. Yeah. And um, and with friendships, like, if we have a connection, you'll be able to go have other connections, and, like, it won't really affect ours. If your life gets overwhelmed, then, like, maybe I don't make the cut. But it's not really about, like, meeting a new friend, necessarily. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I just feel that about everything. Like jealousy in all places like I don't know like getting getting jealous of someone else's YouTube channel it's like if me if the only way I can make sure you stay a fan of my YouTube channel is to prevent you from ever watching any other YouTube channels it's like we really didn't have that strong of a connection like you know I don't know yeah it almost makes me think of such a like thing that's popular on Instagram and TikTok right now. It's so annoying how social media has ruined like therapy, but all the therapy <laughs> words are now are now on social media. I so know. I feel stupid it's referencing so something that's actually legitimate that my therapist has talked to me about because it's 
because you see a reel about it. But um, it well, it reminds me of like having an abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset. And and insecurity and a scarcity mindset are friends. You know, That's like they, they go hand in hand with each other. If you yeah. have insecurities about something, you're very likely to have a scarcity mindset about it. And that can motivate that possessiveness. That's what it makes me think of. It's it's really hard to do, and I'm not doing it perfectly either. I thought you were just gonna go. I thought you're just gonna be. It's really hard to do, and I'm not doing it. <laughs> but you <laughs> should. <laughs> and I'm not doing it. I won't. Sounds hard. <laughs> We've talked in little ways over the course of the last 25 episodes of this podcast about struggles that we've been having with friends struggles that we've been having in our social lives like totally figuring out we, we've been missing groups and trying to solve for that issue in our social lives we've been having trouble scheduling with friends and we've been trying to figure that, that out we have different life stages where some of our friends are married and have kids and we're not there and like how does that work out like we are in the middle of everything that we're talking about and like a lot of the things I've talked about I think I am pretty good at doing by now but I wasn't good at them five years ago right I wasn't good at them 10 years ago and there's more stuff that I'm still in process trying to figure out when it comes to friendships whatever we're all trying to live our lives Sheila wrote this fucking episode and I don't (laughs) think I don't think it ever ends I had this great moment with um my one of my best new friends this year is my like one of very few YouTuber colleagues, um, which is Alex and Ellie. If you guys don't watch her YouTube channel, she's the best. And she's one of my she's, she's one of my loves. And we voice memo all the time. And we're always talking about we talk about everything, but we talk about YouTube stuff all the time and it's so special because it's like it's not that YouTube is like the hardest job in the world, but it is very there's a lot of unique stuff about it. It's nice to have someone to talk to about shit. Um, and we're always problem solving stuff and I'm, I have a horrible, horrible habit of always trying to like solve, always trying to solution. And it's, that's talk about something I need to stop doing in friendships. Like people don't always want your fucking solution. And, um, I was probably fucking solutioning at her, solutioning her to death on something she was figuring out with her workflow and YouTube and whatever. And she was like, yeah, I totally, but like, you know what? I I think we're just always going to be figuring this out. I think that's just like, I think that like part of the, like mm. part of our job is that like we're always figuring it out. And I was like, I'm going to kill you. That is so true. That is so true. And it just applies to so many things. Even the phrase like figuring it out. I just got to figure it out. I just got to figure it out. Like there's some end, like there's like a top of the mountain. There's no figuring it out. There's no figuring it out. Like, yeah, no, there's no, figured out I just gotta figure it out I just gotta figure out my life and then I'll be living my life it's like we're stumbling the whole time and then we die cool cool as hell we fucking did it do we want to end with anything stupid yeah for sure for sure for sure I want to get send me off into my ugly day the right way oh wait I don't even have anything ready let me see okay let me see see if if I I have anything let me me check my stupid notes (laughs) I gotta start flagging when I write notes myself of stuff I want to raise on the podcast I gotta flag them as stupid oh my god wait actually I don't know should I share I don't know this is a rare occurrence of something that is so funny and so sad. I somehow maxed out capacity in my notes app. Uh, whereas like my whole life is in my notes app. I max capacity 
And, um, and so I was going back to my oldest notes and deleting, like, what can I get rid of? And I came across this note that I wrote to myself in 2017. This is a note. This is a note that I wrote to myself in 2017. Okay. It's like, it's, it's a note to myself and it is titled questions to ask next time you fall in love with someone. This was, oh, this, sweetie was pie. this was me. This was me noticing some patterns that I'd gotten into in my romantic relationships up until 2017. This is me noticing some patterns that I kept getting into in romantic relationships over and over and over. And I was like, bitch, you're going to do it again. And so I wrote a list of questions to ask myself. Do you want to hear this checklist? Yeah. Am I going to cry? Are they serious things? Just read it to me. Question question number one. Okay, so you're in love. Future Caroline, you're in love. Question number one that I know you have not yet stopped to ask yourself is, does this person feel empathy? Question question number one A, if so, how much? <laughs> question number one B, if so, do they also act on it? Question number two, does this person have a substance abuse problem or behavioral addiction? (laughs) Question number three, does this person generally assume everyone is walking around thinking about them most of the time? Mm. Question number four, does this person rely on me for self-esteem, for motivation, for work ethic, for morality, for sobriety? (laughs) Question number four, does this person blame me for all of their failures, disappointment, pain, and choices? The list goes on. I'm not okay. Question number five. Can this person allow me to sometimes feel unhappy without disowning or attacking me? Oh, it my was, God. Was, this was, and actually, I think a lot of questions. Oh, the last question is just. Is this person, I almost don't want to include this because I feel like it's overused, but is this person a narcissist? Either grandiose, overt type, or paranoid, martyr, covert type. Well, it's not overused. It looks like you did your research. You knew the types, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was like a genuine checklist, which there's more questions on here that I actually found. Like, they're not as silly. I, I was like, these are pretty helpful. I'm laughing and I'm crying. <laughs> and I'm thinking about how much you've grown. And... Because, like, some of those questions, you wouldn't have to – I would assume that in today, today's Caroline wouldn't have to stop and make sure to ask herself, you know? Like, you would have already crossed some of those T's and dotted some of those I's. But some of them are pretty insightful. Like, there's both. It, it's a mix of both. I wasn't – this really, like, took my heart for – a journey that I wasn't expecting. <laughs> I don't it to know. Go. <laughs> I don't know. I love. Okay, I thought it was gonna be funnier, but I guess it was mostly sad. <laughs> Do you have a joke you want to tell? I'll try my best. Um. <laughs> oh, I have a story. Yeah. So I volunteer because I'm a good person. Uh, (laughs) First of all, that premise is already such bullshit, but go on. You are a good person, but I I hate. Oh, that's a pet peeve when people think that volunteering makes them a good person. You suck with your fucking demonstrative morality. Get the fuck out of here. Cue up the episode about Catholic school that we will never do. You know, like that's that's the problem. Um, So I volunteer at a mentoring program with 
a high school. No one gives a fuck. <laughs> I have a mentee. I have a mentee. She's the best person ever. I have a mentee who is about to graduate high school, and That's I've been cool. working with her for a year or two and helping her. Can you her imagine the if she's <laughs> I know. I got real lucky. She's so smart. She like comes from a rougher upbringing and area in Chicago, but she goes to this like great magnet school and she's about to go to college and I'm so proud of her and like I literally haven't helped her at all by the way (laughs) like we've had this relationship for a year and a half she is asking me yeah she is asking me for help all the time and I'm like uh I'm busy I am watching love is blind (laughs) have you listened to my podcast yet no she (laughs) she just has it has it completely under control and at this point it's just like i'm this friend i'm like this uncle that shows up sometimes at her school and is like how's the week going and anyway so we had our like wrap-up event with the mentoring program on wednesday and they set up some games and the games leave something to be desired it's not a you know very well-funded program so they did their best with some props for different games and one of the games was there were two stacks of solo cups and it was like six red solo cups and then one blue one in each stack. And so one person would take one stack, one person would take the other. And then the you had to race and see who could like stack them all on top of each other and get to the blue one again. Do you know what I mean? Like, like put the red on top and then the red and then the red and the red and the blue. Who could do that faster? That's the game. I destroyed that game i my speed everybody was like wowing me amazed at my skill sets like i couldn't believe there were other mentors who are like in their 30s and stuff who do this program looking at me like how are you doing that and i was just like quickly moving cups on top of each other (laughs) (laughs) it was Honestly, the like most euphoric experience I've had in a long time to get applauded for this thing <laughs> niche, that like this niche useless fucking this niche talent. talent. Wow. And because I was so fast, I won my mentee a twenty dollar gift card wow. to Target. So like it was so gratifying. This is something I think about all the time is like the specific skills and talents that you and I and anybody has that just don't happen to be Olympic sports. But if they were, we'd be <laughs> Olympians. Like what if that was like that could be an Olympic sport. Fucking fucking. Right. Fucking, Why not? What are what's a stupid. Pommel what? horse. Let's, just, let's destroy somebody's livelihood right now. Pommel horse is an Olympic all, sport. So that could be that's one. Amazing. But what you did is amazing. What you did is amazing. And you've been training. You've been training. And you just have a natural talent. I almost made like a comment underneath my breath about flip cup or something. Like all my experience. Oh, I'm so cool. I like went to college and drank. And then I was like, I'm not going to do that. This is a high school event. But um, <laughs> that was where That's my mind awesome. went. Or like those slap a hoe. I feel like What's you. Slap-a-ho? That was a stacking of the cups oh, I game. Don't know. Yeah, I, I went to a loser game. college. So we didn't do anything. No way. I went to way more of a loser college no, than you. No, you didn't. We used to call it. I went it- to NYU's theater school. Please. Please. Okay. It's because it was it's theater. Cause it was theater it's because it was the theater, theater kids. School. Fine. Also, even for the rest of college, there wasn't that much of a college scene because there's no campus. You're just in the city. So it's like, it was cool in other ways. You like go to clubs, but there's not, I don't know. There like wasn't, it didn't feel like I ever went to college. Really. The traditional college yeah, experience. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, I missed out on some of the traditional college experience because Hopkins is a nerd school with D3 sports. Okay. And like, so we didn't have like the big football games and like, yeah, that you guys sort of are thing. like, we're, we all are working on our research. <laughs> yeah, like, it was always about research. The most social scene was in the library. Like, that's where I would get my fix. Oh, that reminds me of something. At Hopkins, they used to call the 500 kids at the school. It was, I think, probably 10,000 kids went to Hopkins total undergrad. And they called the 500 kids who actually went out the Hopkins 500. So it was like a very, very small subset <laughs> of them? this school. Were you them? I was one of them. I yes. was I was 200 um, of them. <laughs> I was yeah, 200% of the 500. Um, okay. Going back to getting my kicks in the library the library is the most social place on the hopkins campus if you're like, fucking you're in the library yeah right oh there was there was a d level challenge so our library was built underground so the main level was like i think it was called m level main level and then it would go um a b c d all getting lower and lower underground because they just wanted us to have like no windows and be miserable that's where they were most comfortable yeah yeah we we were creatures of the of the earth and of the night. And um, there was something called the D-level challenge, which was like people having sex on the D-level of the library. I never did that. Um, anyway. I have a feeling that nobody did it and they everyone was just talking about it. And they all said that they did. I yeah. agree. Not that people don't have sex in colleges, libraries, but... Not at Hopkins. Not at Hopkins. Um, anyway. <laughs> so I invented this thing that I still say today um, when I was in college. Okay. <laughs> I feel like people now use this phrase, having a time. Like, people say that. I invented that, Caroline. I'm <laughs> the inventor of having a time. I will not accept anything other than that credit. 10, 12 years ago, when I was in college, I invented this thing where I would notice that I would be studying in the library or in the common room with my friends, and we'd stay up so late quote unquote studying really we were like studying for 20 minutes and then like joking around and then going back to it and I had on the dot times of night that I would like become delirious and hyper and like need to just like make somebody laugh for 10 minutes and yeah. be silly and run around and I would call them my times so it was like 10 p.m 1 a.m 3 a.m these were my times and my we called times. it yeah, there were specific times that were just having a time. That's so cute. And it was like always at these times I would have a time. And then it became this like bigger phrase where it was no longer just <laughs> those specific times. It would be like any time of day or night when you were feeling silly, you'd refer to it as having a time. And now 10 years later, people are using it. I claim it for our merch one day. No one else will have this merch. Thank you. That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's so cute. My times. My times. That's so funny. Mm. It truly sounds like something like a toddler would say in like a really sweet, oh, yeah. endearing way. And then like they're having a time. Yeah. That's me. I wanted to share something from our dear, a contribution from our dear editor, Abby Newhouse, who edits this podcast, who speaking of friends... Listen, I really don't know how she feels about me, but I consider her one of my <laughs> dearest friends. I don't like I'm at I would say I'm at the maturity point where I'm like, I don't give a fuck if you if you return the feelings. I feel like she does. Editor's notes, the feeling is mutual. But like truly, I'm at the place now where I'm like, I just love you. 
I don't give a fuck if you love me. I love you. I'm selfless. loving you. Yeah. Ah, I'm so selfless. Please let me tell you how selfless I am. Please. I swear. Uh, I'm so fucking selfless. Anyway, I love this bitch to death. And we went, we had like a morning coffee the other day. I don't even know what we were talking about. We were talking about like really serious stuff and like dating and life and jobs and whatever. And I feel like out of the fucking blue, I feel like out of the fucking blue, she's still, we're like sitting on a wall together, like drinking coffee together. I wish I remember exactly what you said. She just like sighed and she was just like, remember how when we were kids, quicksand was something we were all really afraid of. <laughs> and she goes, yes. she goes, it's nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> She's absolutely correct. Oh, we were always preparing for how to get out of quicksand. We were, we were on high fucking alert. And we how are we gonna get out of it? I've never seen it once. I don't even know if it exists, but I was she made me laugh so hard middle of the fucking morning. <laughs> out she of said the this blue. to me and I was like, Abby, I'm writing it down, I'm sharing it on the pod. It's nowhere. I can't it's I, nowhere. I've never seen quicksand. And I was so fucking ready. I've like, I'm training to get these legs up and out of quicksand, you know? I'm still I, ready. It's the main motivator for me to work out so that I can get totally. these, little, these little thighs can hop my way out of the quicksand. Yeah, when we started to embrace that we have thick thighs, it was because we realized we can get out of quicksand. Um, <laughs> another thing that all those cartoons made you think you were going to run into in adulthood was mirages. Anvils? Anvils! Cliffs? Cliffs. Cliffs, mirages. Mirages. Like, why was I always, like, in a desert or um, on a mountain? Like, (laughs) I encounter mirages. I think I've seen a mirage. No, I've seen when the... The heat waves. Yeah, when the sky gets, like, blurry. But these mirages (laughs) on TV shows... What What are you talking about? Are you talking about clouds? Oh, yeah, maybe they are on the... No, maybe are, they are, are on the ground. Are you thinking clouds are when the sky gets blurry? <laughs> no. no, I'm talking about the same thing as you. I just, maybe I've seen it no, right. higher. That's, you know, stop, I'm, bragging. I'm on a stop bragging. Stop bragging. Stop bragging, you fucking bitch. <laughs> no, but the mirages on these cartoons would be like a whole, it would be like they'd imagine a whole mall. It would be a whole, yeah, it would be like a whole tropical island. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought mirages were too. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, it's like before you've done, before you've done drugs, and you're like, I'm gonna see a whole elephant talking to me. You're like, right. no, you're just gonna like laugh a lot. You're just gonna see your dead grandfather. Yeah, you're just gonna watch yourself get old in the mirror. It's not gonna be as fun. Yeah, <laughs> um, just speaking of Abby. This can serve as our shout out. Abby, thanks for editing this episode. I hope you have fun listening to it. You fucking bitch. (laughs) Abby responded to my Instagram story yesterday and told me that I looked cute. And I, to have Abby's approval really felt like a, a certain way to me, a certain level of fulfilling because she's your friend. She edits our podcast. I've only met her once in person. We work together on the podcast, but, like, I don't have the established friendship. Speaking of friendship episode. Um, I forgot. I didn't even I didn't even think of you guys as not being uh, best friends. I, I feel like we have a bond. She listens to so many words that come out of my mouth. It's really a shame. But, um, but you know, like, I, yeah, we don't have that quite yet the same way. Jess, what the hell? I love you. And so whenever I get any sort of, if she, like, ha-has my text, 
if she responds to my story, I'm like, you're Ooh, so fucking getting through to this bitch. <laughs> yeah, you about to get some fucking ha-has up in your text messages right now. She gonna oh, give it to you. I can't even wait. I can't even wait. Okay, let's wrap it up, girly. I like Yo, when you do the, wow. the thing. <laughs> Yo, this is the end of the episode. I'm fucking wound up, dude. I'm fucking wound up. Why? <laughs> um, I get so weird at the end of a serious episode because <laughs> I'm so sick of hearing myself preach. I think that it's something totally. something happens inside my body where I'm like, you got to start squeaking. You got to start squeaking. <laughs> and so this is the end of the podcast. You've reached the end, but you're not allowed to leave yet because I got to tell you some stuff. Like Instagram.com is a really cool place where you can find us hanging out. <laughs> we are at Not For Everyone Pod, number four is in there, which is something that Jess once said one time, and I can't stop repeating when I say our Instagram handle. The not the number four is in there. Um, you can find it's Jess, helpful. Yeah, you can find Jess on Instagram at Jay Z Debakey. You can find me on YouTube I, under Caroline Winkler. Duh, bitch, where you been? And I'm. Um, we would love if you would share this episode with. I'm gonna fucking share this. I'm gonna send my own fucking podcast episode to like 30 people I know because everybody I know is struggling with this. It could be a really nice sanity check, a little bit of validation that you're not alone. Um, share it with a fucking friend. Share it with an enemy. Please, God, please share this podcast with an enemy. And leave us a review. Somebody left a real fun one recently about mm. keeping us on their camel toes. We love it. We love to see it. We love to see it. Yeah, send this to send this to a new friend and yeah. be like, oh, let's let's have like book club discussions about this podcast it's my favorite here's my the most recent episode it'll be special i promise if they don't like it maybe that's your litmus test for the friendship so you're welcome yeah if they don't like this podcast they're they're dead to me first of all Mm -hmm. and they're Mm -hmm. dead to you okay (laughs) guess what we're we're those possessive friends you can't talk to anybody who doesn't listen to this you can't listen to other podcasts (laughs) It's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. (laughs) It's a joke. Great. Okay. Good day. Fucking bye. (laughs) (laughs) Fa. 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 Fa.